The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who makes righteous. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died? More than that, who was raised to life? Is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger or sword? It's written, for your sake we face day all day long. 
we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't let anybody steal your joy. I come today filled with explosive joy. That explosive joy does not come from my circumstances. I have in my life right now some very painful circumstances. My joy does not come from those circumstances. Weeping comes from those circumstances. Right now I'm faced with financial challenge. That could cause me to worry. Instead, I'm rejoicing. I'm faced with growing older. I could be concerned about that. Am I? <laughs> no. No. I tell you the truth. My joy began when I awakened this morning at 4 a.m. and my heart turned toward Jesus and I began to praise him for calling me to another day to serve him, to walk with him. And I began to go through each of the circumstances that I face today. Friends who have rejected me, family who has rejected me, sorrowful things in and of themselves, the struggle with the gospel. I went through each one of those things. And I said, Lord, would you intercede for me? Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I come asking, will you intercede for me? Will you intercede for the National Prayer Chapel? Will you bring forth the revival in Washington that you have promised me? Will you be my provision? Will you carry me as you promised you would do? I prayed until finally it was time to go to my prayer closet. I have a set time every morning to come in before the Lord for a set amount of time. It's a place of abiding for me. And there I began to rejoice. I began to praise his name all over again. Because he is kind. He is merciful. He is gracious. He has forgiven me for my sins. He has wiped away my past. I've made so many mistakes in my life, and I have sinned so greatly against God in pride and arrogance and hardness. But he's wiped all of that away. He's washed me. He's made me clean. He broke the bondage of sin over my life and over my heart. So I no longer walk with condemnation. Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I walk free, in joy, in love, in peace, knowing that today he would give me an opportunity to come and speak with you. And today he would give me an opportunity to speak by phone with other people. He would give me people to visit with and to fellowship with today all in his glorious name. What's not to be happy about? I'm Ray Greenlee. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray today that you are making wonderful progress as you make your way toward heaven. We're broadcasting live on 
WAVA AM 780. We're also broadcasting live on YouTube. And I'm very grateful that you're listening. And if you're on YouTube, would you please subscribe? That will help us reach out even further. And hit the like button. And there's live chat available to you. I thank those who write me brief notes of God bless you or hello. Then I know you're listening. I know you're there. And what you write will encourage others. It's absolutely essential that we encourage one another, that we lift one one another up, that we pray with one another. I rejoice this morning that I was able to call a brother and pray with him. That I was able to speak with another brother and encourage his heart. Report to him what happened when I was in Florida. As I was visiting my family there, two brothers and mom. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? When we walk in Jesus, there is no reason to walk under bondage. Now, there is one thing, and only one thing, that can steal your joy. And that's sin. If you walk in rebellion and sin, you will have your joy stolen away. And you will enter into discouragement and depression and fear. Sin brings destruction. Now, I want to share with you Second Peter. Second Peter in the first chapter, as a way of review, tells us that the divine power of God gives us everything we need for life and godliness. It's not just he gives us enough to be holy, but he gives us for life, your day-to-day living. All of that's provided. Now, he's given us these incredible promises, like Mark 11, 23, and 24. He's given us these wonderful promises by which we can enter into the divine nature and rejoice in Jesus Christ. We participate in the divine nature by accessing these wonderful promises of God. We escape the corruption in the world caused by lust, by evil desires. They have no place in the life and the heart of a Christian man or woman. So then he gives us an assignment to focus our heart on standing by faith, the faith of Jesus, by walking in goodness, by having knowledge of the gospel of Jesus, by reading his word, to walk in self-control because of the power of the Spirit that is now in us when we are utterly given to Jesus. Perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. These are the things that are given to us through these divine promises. He says, verse 10, this is 1 Peter 1.10, Make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't have to fall. The bondage of sin was broken at the cross, and you are now free. If you're not free... It's because you have not finished in your confession of sin and your repentance. You're still playing games with God. 
You're still saying, I want to serve Jesus, but then you're going out and serving the devil. You're still going to your football deal, and you're still going to your beers. You're still going to the television. You're still going to the things of darkness, and then you wonder why your joy has been stolen away. Because you're weak. You've got to go strong in Jesus. I tell you, Jesus is my single focus. And now, with his focus, my heart is filled with love for others. And so I reach out and encourage you and encourage others. Let's follow Jesus. Let's turn aside from darkness. You know, we have not followed cleverly invented stories. This is real stuff. This is reality. God is real. He is in Jesus Christ our judge. And the day will come when we will face the judge of all the earth. And we will be held accountable, not for imputed righteousness, but imparted righteousness. Now, we are warned in chapter 2 of Second Peter, the tone changes. And we are warned that there will be false prophets. There will be people who say, I'm a prophet of God. There will be people who will come to us, either in church or on the internet, and they will be false teachers. They will teach things that are not true. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. And many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. How how does that happen today in our culture? Well, we have false teachers. And they're teaching things like, you can never stop sinning. Nobody can be perfect. You're going to always walk in sin. I actually had an opportunity to preach in an Anglican church several messages. And the bishop found out. And he said, shut it down and kick that pastor off the property and don't let him even come on our property. Now, normally, this is a very kind and loving bishop, an Anglican bishop. I said, I'm in good company. They kicked John Wesley out of the Anglican church. They're still kicking people out of the Anglican church. If you even begin to claim the blood of Jesus Christ as having the power to break the bondage of sin in your life. Oh, they'll say, yes, you can, you can have the bondage of drugs broken. You can have the bondage of, of alcohol broken. But then ask them if you can have the bondage of sexual lust broken, and they'll say, nope, you're always going to be a sinner. Just do your best. Presbyterian Church. A man came to me and he said, Pastor, I went to my my pastor, a very well-known Washington, D.C. Presbyterian pastor, and I said to him, I'm a drug addict. Can you pray with me? Can I be delivered from this drug habit? And the pastor answered, don't worry about it. You're fine. You're on your way to heaven. You're saved in the midst of your drugs. You're on your way to heaven. You're saved. Well, These are false teachers. They introduce destructive heresies like Reformed theology is a destructive heresy. It is not the gospel of Jesus. So if a pastor teaches that if you walk in sin, all you're going to lose is a little reward in heaven, but you're still saved, you can't lose your salvation... He's lying to you. And as Peter said later, the Apostle Paul teaches things that are sometimes hard to understand, but 
but men have come and twisted them and teach false doctrine. And of course, these men all claim Paul as their apostle. But I believe that Jesus is my apostle and that anything I read in Paul or Peter or John has to be interpreted through the eyes of Jesus and through the words of Jesus. I can't have Romans disagreeing with Jesus. I can't have can't have Galatians disagreeing with Revelation. In that case, somebody's twisting something and lying. Now, this destructive heresy teaches that you're going to always be a sinner until Jesus comes and you die. That steals my joy. If I can't be released by the power of the blood of Jesus from my wickedness, then what hope is there? How can I trust Jesus to save me at the end if I can't trust him to break the bondage of sin in my life and release me from the captivity of the devil? What would you think if somebody said, yeah, my wife is always being raped, but I can't do anything about it. That's just how life is. Are you kidding me? We do have the power to stop it. And if you read carefully Romans, the sixth chapter, it will tell you that we do have the power to stop sinning. If you'll read 1 John, the third chapter, it will say we must stop sinning. Now, there's a reason I'm talking about this. There is a place that God has for you and for me. There's a place of righteousness, of wholeness. There's a place of joy and love unspeakable. And most of you have never entered into that. You're still captive to sin. Because you have believed these false prophets and these false teachers among you who've introduced a destructive heresy that has stolen your joy. I'm not going to let anybody steal my joy. This morning as I was crying out before the Lord, I said, Lord, I know you are going to do for me all that you have promised not based on my righteousness, based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I know that he has broken the bondage of sin in my heart and in my life. He has released me from bitterness and anger. He's released me from lust. He's released me from anger. Do you understand? But we have to pray through. We have to cry out until the work is done, not some shallow little bless me now, lay me down to sleep, gently, 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 row my boat down the stream. Are you kidding me? We've got to get serious about Jesus. And we've got to get serious about being set free from our sin if we're going to go to heaven. There's this passage. Let me turn to it quickly. It's over here in the book of Revelation. This, to me, is one of the scariest passages in all of Scripture. Revelation 22. Then he told me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. That is, unclean, filthy. Let him who does right continue to do right, and let him who is holy continue to be holy. That's the end of our probationary time on earth. And however you are is how you will go to judgment. And then you stand before a righteous judge, and you say to that judge, Oh, I couldn't help myself. Jesus 
I did the best I could do. You'll have to just accept the best I can do. And he'll say, away from me, you lawbreaker. Away from me, you rebellious person. I offered to make you righteous. I offered to break the bondage of sin in your life. But you didn't have time or interest. All you cared about was your entertainment. All you cared about was making money. All you cared about was pursuing the lust and the love and the evil nature of your heart. And you called yourself a disciple of mine. You were never a disciple of mine. You were churched. But you weren't my disciple. The church today in America is filled with unconverted and lost men and women because they will not avail themselves of the precious blood of Jesus Christ to set them free. I don't like saying that. That cuts my heart. But I know my commission and my commission given to me by Jesus audibly make straight the way of the Lord. That's my commission. To call the church, to call you, to call sinners to come and be crucified with Jesus and lay down your life so that you walk free. Now, Let me read this for you. This is, this is very sobering. There are two passages of Scripture that I want to read for you. He said to me, It is done. Now, please, this is the risen Lord. Certainly he knows the theology that he has brought by his death and resurrection. He knows the atonement he made to cover our sins. But he knew he did not cover them, he removed them. He did not declare us righteous, he made us righteous by faith in his blood. Now listen, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. If you remember the churches at the beginning of the book of Revelation, in every one of those seven churches, there is one consistent message. You must overcome. The only way you can overcome is by the testimony of your mouth and by the blood of the Lamb. You cannot overcome by human effort. You cannot overcome by legalism. You can only overcome by the power of the blood and the word of your testimony. And I'm giving that word of, the, of my testimony today. Listen. Jesus said, he who overcomes will inherit all the, this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, those who hold back, who don't press in, who don't want anybody to be angry with them or upset with them when they follow after Jesus, the unbelieving, that is, those who do not believe the blood of Jesus can set them free from their sin. The unbelieving in the atoning blood of Jesus. The vile, that is, the disgusting, filthy jokes, behaviors, actions. The murderers, that is those who, according to the Sermon on the Mount, who are always angry at somebody, 
murdering the sexually immoral, those who are committing adultery, fornication, those who are shacked up with someone they're not married to. It says you can't go to heaven. It says you can't go to heaven. Those who are practicing magic arts. The prosperity church today practices magic arts. They say put a picture up on the refrigerator and then claim it. Name it and claim it. Constantly be saying that car belongs to me. That Cadillac is mine. That's trying to influence through chanting, through affirmations, the spiritual realm. It's trying to create the reality in the spirit realm that will manifest in the earthly realm. That's witchcraft. The idolaters those who put anyone or anything before your allegiance to Jesus and his shed blood. That is idolatry. And all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, you would think from the modern teaching of the church, that Jesus would say their place, that is, those who have not accepted me, those who have not received imputed grace, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. No, it's everyone who does these things is lost. There is no imputed grace for the sinner in Scripture. Not one passage of Scripture will teach imputed grace in the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, yes. Dikasune, sins were covered. Dikasune in the New Covenant made righteous. Their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And then if you go to Revelation 22, verse 15. Dogs in that day were considered unclean, vermin. It said outside are the dogs. Well, who are the dogs? Those who practice magic arts, those who do affirmations, the sexually immoral, the murders, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood or lies. Now, this is twice at the end of the book of Revelation where if there was any imputed grace, it should be fully described. It is not because it is a false, heretical teaching. Reformed theology is false and heretical. It is not what the scriptures teach. It is not what Jesus Christ taught. These are the words of Jesus himself. And if there was room for imputed grace, he would certainly have told us, don't worry about your sin. If you receive me, you're saved, and you're on your way to heaven. Don't worry about whether you're immoral. Or don't worry about if you're a liar. He didn't give us that affirmation because it's false. It's false. Now, he goes on. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. The world laughs at the church today because we are without integrity. We say one thing, we live another. It is this lie that causes 
the heart of Jesus to be grieved. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up, like imputed grace, like eternal security. My father in the faith, David Wilkerson, I said to him, So David, brother David, I called him, how do you deal with this issue of eternal security? He said to me with a bright smile, I believe in eternal security for the eternally faithful. I said, amen, brother, I agree with that. It says their condemnation, condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, Verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Do you hear what he's saying? The Apostle Peter does not buy eternal security. The Apostle Peter did not believe in Reformed theology. He didn't believe in once saved, always saved. Those are false teachings. Those are destructive heresies. Let me read another portion for you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They never stop sinning, but they call themselves Christians. Listen, these men who hold this theology are, are springs without water, mists driven by the storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the sinful human nature, and they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. That's where we're at. That's where the American church is today. Oh, our pastor's a wonderful man. He's so friendly and he tells such wonderful jokes and he gives short sermons. He loves us all. But does he teach you that you must leave your sin if you're going to be saved? Does he teach you the power of the blood of Jesus? Is his heart filled with joy because of the release from wickedness. How about you? Is your heart filled with joy because you have been released from your sin and you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ? He's washed you and cleansed you. He's made you whole. Is there joy in your heart over that? He says, Verse 20, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. And I've watched this so many times. A new person will come and they'll be earnest about Jesus, but then they hear that they can't leave their sin. They're told they're free, that they're a part of the family of God. You know, these issues are very strong in my heart. I don't want anybody to steal my joy. 
and nothing would steal my joy faster than if I believed that Jesus left me to be ravaged by the devil, that I did not have the power to stand by faith in righteousness against his wickedness. And I do have that power, and I am using that power day by day by day, and I'm gaining the victory every day in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there is a place so precious in our Lord. There's a place There is a place for you where you pray through to victory and every sin is confessed and washed away. There's a place for you to pray through for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's a place for you to receive the baptism of Pentecost on your life. But you're going to have to pray through. This is not something casual. This is not something you do when you have some spare time. This is not something that is interrupted by the telephone or your favorite TV program. This is getting serious with Jesus and pressing in and staying there until the victory is won and then going out in the power of the Spirit of God to share with others that they too can be free in Jesus Christ. So many of you are being distracted. You're distracted by entertainment. You're distracted by school. You're distracted by work. You're, you're distracted by sickness. You're distracted, distracted, distracted. I'm saying to you, please, Jesus is your answer. And prayer and the reading of Scripture and the sharing with others who believe with you is where the victory comes. I've watched so many times as a man or woman will make progress toward Jesus for a short time. And then they go somewhere and they soon lose all that they gained in Jesus and they're back into the same old, same old rut. Discouraged, unbelieving, depressed. No, that's not how we were called to live. We were called to live in victory. Your focus is on money and you say, oh, I'm, I've got to make money so I can help the kingdom of God. No, you don't. You're not going to make money so you can help the kingdom of God. Jesus has the money. You've got to get right with Jesus and set your heart on seeking him with everything you have. And as you seek him, Luke, the 11th chapter, it says you will find him. If you seek, ask, and knock, three loaves of bread. You have to eat all three. Seek, ask, and knock. And as you do that, you will become explosively joyous in Jesus as sins are removed from your heart. The lust is taken from your spirit. You find yourself free. No bondage. How am I going to survive tomorrow? Jesus. Where do I find a new job? I lost my job. Where am I going to? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And if you don't trust him now, how can you trust him with your eternal salvation? 
How can you trust him to take you to heaven if you can't trust him to sustain you and carry you here? My eyes are on Jesus. And I have determined in my heart, I will not let the words of man discourage my heart. I will not let the words of a man or a woman steal my joy. I will not let the rejection of a brother or a son or a daughter. I will not let anything steal my joy from Jesus. I'm walking in that joy. I'm walking in the power of the Spirit. I'm not going to let that be stolen from me. Now, if you look in the last minute before we close today, oh, and I just, I'll tell you quickly, tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Would you prepare your hearts? Even write out your prayer if you need to. But prepare your heart to call and and pray online for our president. Some of us are fasting until the election. Call and pray tomorrow. But right now, let me just share this with you quickly. It is for freedom, Galatians 5, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery, of sin, of ritual, Don't let yourself be taken that way. He says, I live by the Spirit. That's where the joy is. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature if you're living by the Spirit. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. I want to say this again in the last minutes of this broadcast. Some of you think you have your religion down, and now your focus is on your job. It's on your family. Your focus is on some entertainment, Your heart will always follow what you love the most. So if it's a fishing boat, you'll have a fishing boat. If it's kayaking, you'll kayak. There's nothing wrong with kayaking and fishing. But if it becomes the obsession of your heart and what you must always have to be happy, then you're an idolater. Some of you are totally given to making money. Some of you are totally given to pleasing other people and keeping them happy with you. You can't be a follower of Jesus and keep people happy with you. Now, you can love them, but you must be joyful in Jesus alone. Not in the responses or reactions or words of other people. I've struggled with this all my life. I've been a pleaser. But the Lord said to me, I'm going to make you into a threshing sledge with new and sharp teeth. He's done that. Listen. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. These sins cannot be covered by imputed grace. If you walk in these sins, you will die. That's what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians. you know what we're out of time 
I want to pray. Lord, with joy I've spoken your word because it's such a blessing to set us free, to fill us with joy, to bring the gospel of Jesus into the hearts and lives of men who are in bondage to set them free with us. Lord, thank you. I pray your blessing today for each person who's listening. I pray that you'll give them understanding of this wicked heresy of Reformed theology. Jesus, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd like to hear from you. You can give online and believe me, it's time. I need your help. We're way, way short. We haven't even begun to cover the radio bill for this month. Would you go online right now and click on the donate button in the upper right-hand corner of our home webpage? And would you give online? Or would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 I want to thank Chris Reber. Chris, I'm just writing thank you notes. I thank you, Tom, for your gift. Michael Reagan, I thank you for your gift. Uh, Peter Adams, I thank you for your gift. Dilip, thank you. Richard, up in Frederick, Maryland, thank you. Kevin, Sandwich, Massachusetts, thank you. Jacobs, thank you. Thank you, all of you who gave to make last month be able to be paid. Thank you. But now this month I'm faced with, would you help me? Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. This is a faith venture, and I'm praying that God will move in your hearts and be hilarious in your giving. I need your help for this month. We're not even halfway there yet. And we're on the 15th. We're way behind. So God bless you, brother. Sister, I love you. And my heart is filled with joy for you because I know Jesus is setting you free. Go to our webpage. There you can hear this message again this evening as it's uploaded. You can go to YouTube later. Podcast. I love you, my brother and sister. I hope soon I can meet you in person. I'd love to meet those of you who listen daily. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>